Good morning. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. Let's uh, go to the Lord in word of prayer again. Jonathan, you want to pray for us? Amen. All right, Revelation 22. Let's read. Thank you. Yeah. We'll start in verse 16, I think. Only six verses. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in his book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so here we are, like we said last time, the last section of the last chapter of the last book. These are the last things that we are given here by John. Anybody remember what we talked about last time? I know most of our talkers weren't here last time, but we still had a really good, we had a really good uh, class. We talked about the bright morning star. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't here. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's that one view we had on Facebook. <laughs> I appreciate that. It looks better than that goose egg. So. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Yep, yep, yep. So we talked about that. Now, we had talked about these dogs. Of course, we've, we've talked about that before and several times, actually. And we talked about him being the root and offspring of David. And we talked about him being the bright and morning star and what those roots of those words actually mean and how that was. I mean, it's like God wrote the Bible. I, I don't even know where they are in my notes, so I'm not going back to look. You'll have to, you'll have to go listen if you want to hear it. But we did talk about, I think the last thing that we talked about was this verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. <clears throat> and whosoever will, <clears throat> excuse me, let him take of the water of life freely. Um, we talked about that being, just kind of go over it real quick. We talked about that being a a two-sided invitation. You've got the Spirit and the Bride, and those that hear and believe say, come. Come to the Lord Jesus. Um, no, I'm sorry, I've got that backwards. You've got the Spirit and the Bride, and them that hear it say, come, come Lord Jesus. Come back. That's what we're waiting on. 
If that's not what you're waiting on this morning, it should be. That's, the, that's, that's it. That's the next event that's going to happen. Now, we don't know when. I've said it. Many of us have said it. It can't be long. God has to wrap this thing up quick. God can't let it. We don't know that. It could go on for another thousand years. That's God's business, not ours. Our business is to be ready for his imminent return. Now, as we talked about in the rapture, if you believe that the church will be raptured out in the middle of the tribulation or the end of the tribulation, well, you're not waiting on that. You're waiting on other things to happen. There are things that have to be fulfilled for those things. To, if that was the case, I don't subscribe to that. I believe the church is raptured out before the tribulation, and therefore that's the next event that we're waiting on. So you have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You have the bride. The Holy Spirit crying through the bride. And those that hear say, come, come Lord Jesus. <clears throat> and then you have a, ver- a part of the verse that says, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, basically come. So not only come Lord Jesus, but come to the Lord Jesus. <laughs> and we talked about, and I phrased it wrong the first time I asked it, but last Sunday I had asked, who are the only ones that this is not available to? And I didn't really mean it like that. And we straightened that up. You would have straightened me up immediately. But... Who is the only ones this is, this is not available to? Well, it's available to anyone. Anyone and everyone. Whosoever will. The Bible clearly states that if you want to know God, that the invitation is there. The opportunity is there. There is no group of people that God has marked for salvation and a group of people that God has marked that cannot be saved. Now, he knows who will be saved, and he knows who will not be saved. That's a separate issue. But there is no group of people that God has marked and said, you have no opportunity to be saved, period. That's the teaching of the Bible. It's the clear teaching of the Bible. And so we have to keep that in mind when we we talk about these things. But a better thing would have been, who who are those that are not going to take advantage of this? And that's really what we talked about. And we said, those that aren't thirsty. Those that aren't thirsty. And if you remember, I talked about, um, I'm not going to go back through it, but we talked about kids today and, <laughs> and, and in days past. Um, but, you know, you, you, you give them something to eat and they won't eat it. They don't want it unless you give them exactly what they want. And some families, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going off on anybody. I'm just stating a fact. Some families today cook two or three meals for two or three different people in the family. And I'm not talking about they can eat something. I'm talking about they won't. Well, the old-timers say those kids just ain't hungry enough. Because if they were, they'd eat what you put in front of them. And it's the same idea here. The gospel has been presented. And for those of us in the Christian church, there is no excuse. The gospel has been presented. Are the people thirsty enough to drink it? Are they thirsty? Because this verse says if they're thirsty, then they can come. And there's debate on different, you, you know, depending on who you read after. 
as to whether or not this only applies to the holy city. I don't believe it does. You might, and that's fine. You may have never thought of that. That's even better. But he is getting into a general call here at the end. We're no longer just talking about the city. And so I believe this invitation is an invitation to salvation, not an invitation in the city to come drink this water of life that we had talked about in the past. Now, we believe that the inhabitants of that city, at least, is going to be the church. And so we may be talking about the same group, at least in the day in which we live, the church age. But it says if you're thirsty enough, you can drink. And it goes on to say, whosoever will. I mean, how, how, how much more clear can God be? A lot of times we, we think about it. We get too much in our thought process. I encourage you not to think too much. <laughs> there ain't no problem for people like me and Mr. Mike. That's going to be a problem for you. <laughs> we, we, get our, we get too educated. We think we know everything. And so we try to figure all this stuff out. And you end up becoming... Yeah, lost in the weeds, believing that there are people who can't be saved. That's against every teaching in the Bible and every attribute of God. It, it just is. And so the Bible says here at the end, if you're thirsty and if you want to, you can come. I also remember last week, and I wish Dawn would have been here because it's very similar, her and Marsha, very similar. I mean, we got off on that not being hungry enough. And I told about one night, you know, I had, a, I had a friend who was a preacher and his son was under conviction and didn't do anything about it at 1 o'clock in the morning, hollering at his daddy, he needed to be saved. He got hungry. He got thirsty. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. And then and Jane brought that up. Right. Um, so, now also the question is, you know, are we offering that water? Two. Now, it's the responsibility of the church to preach and teach truth, and if I'm not teaching truth, then I, I need to sit down. But it's also our personal responsibility when we're dealing with the people in our everyday life that we let them know where that water of life is and what that water of life is. We've, we've got people out there who are hungry and thirsty, and we don't offer them food and drink. And, of course, we're not talking about physical food, physical water. We're talking about life-sustaining food and water. So... We need to do that. We need to do that. There's plenty of people out there who are hungry and thirsty. And then in verse 18 it says, <clears throat> oh, goodness gracious. Verse 18 says, if you don't know why I said goodness gracious, you've probably never studied this, these two verses. <laughs> For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And we'll deal with the first one first. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in, in this book. Now, let me read the second one. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. I've got family members who trip on this verse. Verse number 19. And say... 
that that means that people can lose their salvation. Now, we have talked about over and over the teachings of the Bible. We've done all we can to show what God said in his word that once you're a child, you're always a child. Once you're in the hand of Christ, who's in God's hand, you're not getting out. Once you're a son, it doesn't matter. Colby's always going to be my son. That's Why am I talking about that? Because that's the picture that God gives us of that relationship, a father and a son. Colby's always my son. Just because he does something I don't like doesn't mean that we change biology. He's still my son. And it's the picture that God gives us for salvation. Once you're a son, and I'm not just talking about men, once you're a son, you're always a son of God. Always. You can't change that. And so I encourage you as you read this and as you study this, maybe down the road, get that out of the way first. It can't be what it means. So it goes against all the other teachings of the Bible. So don't even let that enter into your mind. That's where we were talking about earlier. We start thinking about this stuff. Well, maybe so-and-so is right. Okay, and then you're like a flea in a yo-yo. So he said two things. If you add and if you take away from the prophecies that are written in this book. Which is worse? Are they the same? Adding or taking away? What do you think? Yeah, pretty much producing the same results. Anybody think one's worse than the other? They're both bad. They're both bad. And they both could trip men up. The only thing I would say is that if you add, at least you still have what the Bible says. Now, you've added to it, and God said don't do that. But you do still have what the Bible says. If you take away, now you've taken it away. Now you've taken away something that the Bible says or something that God says. You've taken it out, and so people don't have an opportunity to read that or know that. So... You know, probably need to look at them the same way. But if I, if I had to choose, I'd say that taking away is worse. At least you have what's in the Bible when you add to it. But both of them are, are very, very bad. God said don't do it. So we're talking about false teachers here. I was looking a little bit earlier. Um, I found a website where they, where they kind of classify false teachers in different ways. I don't know if I'm going to read all these. But you've got a heretic. And you've probably heard some of these terms. Now, a heretic teaches blatant contradiction. His teaching contradicts what the Bible says. Okay? So when you think about heretics, I don't want to offend anybody. I really don't. But you're talking about people like Mormons. And other offshoots. I don't have to go any further. But that's the idea. Teachings that clearly contradict the Bible. That's a heretic. You have charlatans. 
Charlatans are those that use Christianity for their personal enrichment. Know any of those? Can you name any? Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> He's in another class. He is using it. Yeah, he may be he may be in two or three. Kenneth Copeland. Look him up. Benny Hinn. They use Christianity to make themselves rich. And you've got people all over the world. It amazes me. Amazes me. But you have you have sweet little old ladies all over the country that send these people all the money they have. It's sad. It's sad. And judgment's coming. You better believe it. You got prophets. These claim new revelations. I have a new revelation. Whenever you hear that, run. People like, I hate to go with it again, but Joseph Smith basically said God gave him a new revelation and created a whole new offshoot, a whole new religion. And multitudes have gone to hell and will go to hell because of it. You've got abusers. These people take advantage. They take advantage of people. Now, if I had to say, I better not. They, they take advantage of people. But beware. You know, we talked about a group when we talked about the seven churches of Nicolaitans. Does anybody remember who the Nicolaitans were? Or at least what that, we, we're not positive, but that word means to overlord the people, to rule over the people. And the Roman Catholic Church fits that a lot, and that's all I'll say. You've got dividers. They use false doctrine to disrupt and destroy. And then you've got ticklers. <laughs> And that's the one that Sweetie Pie definitely fits in. Joel Osteen. They only care about what men want. I mean, he had an opportunity. I forgot what talk show it was on. Um, He had an opportunity to say that the only way to heaven was Jesus Christ, and he dodged it. Um, So there you go with him. But we see that a lot today. Um, you know, maybe y'all aren't seeing this. Um, it might be a good thing. But this, um, this gay and trans movement is infiltrating the churches. It's, it's, hitting, it's hitting churches everywhere. Um, they let these people come in. And, and if somebody comes in and it's not causing a ruckus, we don't kick them out. But they're putting them in places of leadership and they're putting their signature of approval on their lifestyle, and we can't do that. Um, and I heard one, it was a UPC pastor, and um, I hate to even say it, but he said God is trans. And said that uh, his God was big enough, and he had big enough faith for a God that allowed that kind of stuff and allowed abortion and all that kind of stuff. And so that's the condition of the 
church in 2023. It's coming. It's, it, we, think, you know, we tend to think that that kind of stuff happens in San Francisco and places like that, but it, it doesn't. It's, it's happening right around us. And, yeah, it's going to come. It'll, it'll hit before, before it's over with. And then you got speculators. They're obsessed with speculation, and I almost didn't put that one in there. Cause I, but a lot of times, that's people that, that all, they, all they care about and all they want to talk about is the end times. <laughs> end times, end times, end times, end times, or something else. Um, so don't be so obsessed with that. But we're talking about false teachers here, adding and, and taking away. And so Jesus makes it clear that judgment's coming. And I'll tell you, I don't understand this totally. But he said that if any man, in verse 18, shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him that are the plagues that are written in this book. Now, that could mean many things. could mean if they live throughout right now and the church is raptured and they go into the tribulation, then they get the plagues that are written in the book of Revelation that we talked about. But there's also plenty of places in the Bible where it spells out God's judgment for this kind of behavior. And the ultimate plague and the ultimate judgment is to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And so he could mean any and all of that. And then verse 19 says, if you take away, if any man take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from those things which are written therein. So, you know, a smart Sunday school teacher would go on to verse 20. <laughs> but I hadn't done that yet, so I'm not too smart. But when you read that verse, it sounds like that a man has his name in the book of life. The Lamb's Book of Life, whatever you want to call it. We've talked about the books. There's all kind of confusion about that and all kind of speculation. And it sounds like that he has a part in the city. And that God will take that away. That's what it sounds like. Now that goes against the teaching of the Bible, remember? We talked about that. So that's not what it means. So the only question is, do I understand what it means or do I not? I don't fully understand what it means. But I remember Brother Dana Williams saying one time he was talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And um, that's available to everybody right now. And he was talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, if you want to go, you can go. You know, and of course he's thinking about it, he's talking about the table set and sitting around the table, and that's kind of that was kind of his context. If you want to go, you can go. And then he said, But if you don't want to go, there's not a seat there for you anyway. Now think about that. <laughs> if you want to go, you can go. If you don't want to go, then you don't have a seat anyway. That doesn't mean that a person can't go. 
It means that God knows that a person is not going and that is not prepared for that person. And so the best I can come up with, and if somebody wants to comment, you can, is that it's not necessarily that God takes away a part that is already there and a part that exists, but that the opportunity for that part to even exist is, not, is gone. It's not there because God knows what he's going to do and he knows what choice he's going to make. And so his part in the city is not there. Do you have a comment? Okay. <laughs> you look like you did. Sorry. I think. How do I want to frame this? Carefully. Oh, wow. They do. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah, and that's happened all through history. Yeah, that's happened all through history. Um, so, I don't know what it means. That's probably one of those things you're just going to have to ask about when you get there. Yeah, I won't care then, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it means, but I know what it doesn't mean and that's all I can grip onto right there okay so verse 20 looks like we'll get done he which testifieth these things saith surely I come quickly amen even so come Lord Jesus boy that word quickly is a um Relative term. (laughs) And we've already kind of talked about that. Jesus said 2,000 years ago through John, surely I come quickly. Now, again, many times when he's talking about coming quickly, I believe he's talking about his appearing. Not necessarily he's going to be on his way back soon. Although it might mean that. But... Also, you know, thinking about that, you have to think about what Peter said. He said, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. What's he saying? He's not saying that one day with the Lord is a thousand years. That's not, what he, that's not even what he said. And a thousand years is one day. He's telling us that with God, time doesn't exist. We sit in the vacuum of time. So, 
when we think about the question, how long has it been for God? That question doesn't even make sense. So we're sitting here going, and from God's perspective, I, I can't even explain it. I don't even know what it is. But he, there is no time. There's no time. So when Jesus said, surely I come quickly, he was doing one of two things. He was either telling the truth or he was lying. <laughs> he was telling the truth. I believe he's coming back soon. That's a personal belief, though. It's a personal belief. And when he comes, it's going to be quick. I know people, and you probably do too, that say when they see him, if that ends up being true, then they'll believe there's not going to be time for that. It's probably reasonable to expect that that has two meanings just as verse 17 did about let, let him come. Hmm. Yeah. The, the righteous can come and those who are thirsty need to come. Yeah. If when he says, surely I come quickly, that's probably a comfort to those who are saved or an assurance at least and a warning to those who are not. Yeah. Could be. You know, you think about this, you know, we sit in comfort. There's a lot of Christians around the world that are being martyred and persecuted, and they're ready for it a lot more than we are. We say we're ready, but not like them. Because we don't go through what they go through. And I don't want to. I don't. My flesh don't want to go through that. But he said, surely I come quickly. And then, um, hang on, I lost my notes. John's response um, even, uh, amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I don't know. Is that you? Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to hurry. <laughs> Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And that's the response of every Christian throughout the whole church age. Amen literally means so be it. What you said, let it come to pass. So be it. And everything that you... If you read about that, even so, even so, come Lord Jesus, that even so is just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exclamation of joy and anticipation. Yes. So be it. Yes. Even so, come Lord Jesus. <clears throat> and he ends with this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. That's how John closes this last chapter of the last book. And he closes it with grace. And that's, that's fitting. That's fitting. If we've been saved, we've been shown grace. We've been shown mercy. We've definitely been shown grace. We don't deserve it. And so he says, and, and Paul does this often in his writings to the churches that he wrote to, 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. He says almost the same things many times. But the Christian life, <clears throat> it begins with grace. It's sustained by grace, and it's going to end in grace. And so John saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all is a very fitting way to end. And he says, amen. Everything that we said, everything that God said, let it be. So that's it. <laughs> How long has it been, Jane? Do you know? What's that? 2018? Five years? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's why. Because <laughs> we were out for COVID for a while. Um, that's it. So we've looked at everything I can look at. Uh, it's a deep dive. It, it hadn't always been easy. Um, I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it helped you. I hope that um, maybe we've cleared up some things that may have been confusing. But above all, I hope it gets us in the gear of expecting the Lord to return at any time. And not just to sit in that comfort, but to try to help others get ready for that return. Because once he comes back, it's over. Now, it's not over, over. But as we talked about with the rapture, there's, there's possibly some, some indication that if someone has been presented the gospel and refused it and he comes back, they have no opportunity. They've had their opportunity. So that even being a possibility ought to motivate us to see our family and our friends come to know the Lord. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. All right, Jim, you want to dismiss us?